Henry Cavill might be cast as Wolverine in the MCU, The Suicide Squad is rap production and James Mangold is in the running to direct Indiana Jones 5. Plus, Lucifer Season 6 might happen and I review The Invisible Man. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Small Screen Stories. Hello and welcome back to Small Screen Stories. This is the podcast where I go through all of the news of the week in the world of entertainment and pop culture and I also review some stuff every now and then. So let's get started by talking about The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man is out in cinemas this week, it's out now, and it's directed by an Australian director called Lee Winnell, and it stars Elizabeth Moss and uh, also Oliver Jackson Cohen, Storm Reid, Harriet uh, Dyer, and Aldous Hodge. And it's kind of, I can't really call it the Return of the Dark Universe because it's not really. It's a Blumhouse production in cooperation with Universal Studios. And it's very much a new and kind of uh, modern take on the Invisible Man kind of idea. And um, and don't think of this as being connected to the Tom Cruise movie, of the, the his version of The Mummy that came out a couple of years ago, or uh, Dracula Untold, which came out few years before that it is very much its own thing it's a horror kind of science fiction horror movie and elizabeth moss is the star of it if you haven't heard of lee winnell you probably should have done because um he's one of the most interesting directors working kind of the horror action sci-fi space he made a movie in 2018 called upgrade which was one of my favorite movies of that year and it meant that when I heard he was going to direct this movie, I really, really wanted to see it because I think he's great. And he um, wrote Upgrade and he wrote The Invisible Man. He directed both films as well. And he's got a really unique style and a, he often comes up with weird kind of science twists on things, which I really love. And The Invisible Man, the, the idea behind it is still pretty much the same. It's still like a kind of mad scientist that uses the his his kind of his ability to create something that makes him invisible that is still there that that initial idea is still there although this this movie it follows very much um the scientist's wife who's played by elizabeth moss and she uh the film starts off with a really tense sequence in which she's trying to run away from him they live in a very nice house next to the sea it looks incredible but it definitely does look like a kind of bond villain lair as well it looks like the kind of house uh, a bad guy would build but it is a beautiful house and um it's a very tense scene in which she's uh, trying to escape late at night she's drugged um her husband who's the the scientist played by uh oliver his name's oliver jackson uh, oliver jackson cohen who was in the haunting of hill house you might have you might have seen him in that and it's obvious that she's planned this whole thing out but it doesn't go according to plan um so she does actually manage to escape but only just and there there's a scene and the scene was in the trailer where um, she gets into her sister's car after having escaped the house and then out of the uh, woods he just comes running as fast as he can and then smashes the window open and they manage to escape it's a very tense scene and uh, the movie kind of goes on from there where then uh, it cuts to two weeks later where Elizabeth Moss's character is um, is living at a friend's house and she's kind of trying to live in secret. But her sister comes over and informs her that her husband, who's uh, Griff, called Griffin, his last name's Griffin, I think it's Aiden Griffin, 
um, based on the the character in the H.G. Wells book, Griffin. It's the same. It's the same name. Has uh, he's killed himself, and uh, she's not really convinced um, because he doesn't really. He'd never, you know, he, he never struck her as the kind of man that would do that. But it was very much um, kind of they said he couldn't cope with having lost her and he just couldn't cope with it anymore so he decided to to kill himself but then she ends up becoming convinced that he's in the house and that he's invisible and the movie kind of goes on from there and it, it's um there are some really tense sequences it starts with a incredibly tense sequence and there are some really tense sequences in the in the uh, the friend's house and then in a in a an asylum as well Afterwards, I don't want to spoil much because I've just given you the premise, and that's basically the first fifteen minutes of the movie, and it really does start at an eleven, and it kind of stays at that level. There are some bits where it kind of gets a bit, um, maybe a bit lost in its science, but it's it's just full of twists and turns, and I was I was just loving every single second of it, and I really can't. I couldn't really fault the film. This is the thing I was... You, you try and think afterwards, be like, well, I really enjoyed that, but why did I enjoy that? And were there any problems with it? And I really enjoyed it because it was it was very frantic. It was very well directed. Some some of the action set pieces in this are incredible, which is what you expect from a Lee Whannell movie. I mean, he uses some of the same kind of things he was doing in Upgrade, some, some camera tricks where it looks like you, the camera's basically attached to the person who's in a in a in, in a fight the fight choreography is brilliant the use of kind of using um f- doing a, a fight scene with someone who's invisible <laughs> is not an easy thing to do but they they really really they did a wonderful job here and um it's kind of it crosses so many genres which is a, a lot of what lee Winnell's stuff does so it's a horror movie yes there are horror bits in it. i wouldn't say it's i mean it's tense I think it's more tense than scary because it's more sci- sci-fi. It's it's not like a, a traditional horror in in the sense of uh, you know in the in the kind of more traditional classic sense of the word. It's very much a, a science fiction film and action film first, and almost like basically a thriller. It's a it's a pretty scary thriller, and um, there are some really good jump scare moments in it, which a lot of people screamed at in the cinema. And, you know, they, they caught me off guard, even though I was expecting it. But this this film is more about, it's it's less about that, the horror aspects of what's going on and more about the thriller aspects of going on. You you want to know, you know kind of what's happening, you and Elizabeth Moss does. No one else believes her, of course. She sounds mad saying, no, my dead husband is still alive and he's he's actually invisible. And, you know, there's lots of things that happen in this film that, uses that and really uses it effectively and yeah I I really didn't see anything I can't I can't really fault the movie maybe there are some uh some kind of CGI mistakes halfway through but I didn't see them and I I really I actually really want to see it again and uh that's I think that's the the that's the trademark of a really good movie um I definitely wouldn't see the mummy again i wouldn't see dracula untold again but this film i would and the fact that it's um, a more kind of confined film it feels quite claustrophobic because you're only in certain you know there aren't that many um locations in this film and it's that that kind of makes it better 
because it's a very it's a very um tight movie let's say it's it's that they've they've thought about this and lee winner has thought about this film very very carefully and it doesn't go too you know it's not a kind of it doesn't it doesn't go mad it doesn't go too mad it doesn't go too out there it very much stays confined within its plot its plot is very confined its story is very it's very tight and um i think that's what makes it such a good experience and i really hope they do more of these kind of things um blumhouse they that it's a studio that a movie studio that kind of prides itself on making more horror movies but also action films and thrillers as well but on a low budget so basically they do it as you know that they they make sure they make a good movie honestly i don't think i've seen they they made the purge films and some of those aren't great but i don't think they've made a genuinely bad film blumhouse if i'm if i mean maybe i'm mistaken but i'm thinking of all the movies that, that they've produced and they tend to be pretty good and they tend to make money. That's what they're all about. They're all about making uh, very kind of confined movies, well-made movies on a, on a tight budget and make as much money as they can out of them. And I think if they were to partner with Universal on, a, on the Dark Universe movies, so make more of these types of films, I think they might be on a real money spinner here because um, if Lee Winnell's to come back for the invisible man too or maybe the invisible woman you know then then maybe they might have kind of a universe and the idea of developing this kind of dark universe and it'd be more kind of science-based you know because you'll have things like frankenstein and you know frankenstein's monster and bride of frankenstein and wolfman and um and also dracula as well and it could all be more science-based which i think would be quite interesting I think that'd be any pretty good. Anyway, I basically so on the site now we're doing a, a new thing where we try to break down the score. And uh, coming out of it, I, I thought this was a solid eight. My expectations going into it, I'd say, was about a seven out of ten. My enjoyment was a nine out of ten, definitely. And then upon reflection, I was thinking eight point five, and that ends up I think uh, around the overall score is eight point two, which on on our site is a, a brilliant. But I think it's definitely worth seeing if if you're not. I know a lot of people that don't like horror movies, then maybe it's not for you. But then again, I do think this is more of a thriller. So there's that aspect of it as well that you might actually quite enjoy. So let's move away from The Invisible Man and on to the news of the week, which there's been quite a lot since um, my last podcast. But I will just go over the more recent stuff um, and I won't bore you with some of the older stuff. But one of the very first things I want to talk about are the rumours that Henry Cavill has been cast as Wolverine in the MCU and might actually turn up as the character in Captain um, uh, Captain Marvel 2. So, again, I would always, always, always take this with a pinch of salt because it does come from a bunch of YouTubers um, and they're, they're called The Quartering. And basically they were, they were, to- they were talking about how... Um, sorry about that. How... Uh, Kevin Feige is really interested in casting him and thinks he's perfect for the role honestly when I'm looking at it I'm like I, I, I've said it time and time again I really do love Henry Cavill and I love him love, I think he's great in basically everything he's in if you watch The Man From U.N.C.L.E. he's really good in that he's really good in Mission Impossible Fallout I also think he's very good in DC the DC Comics movies as Superman but is he Wolverine I'm not so sure about that 
I I mean one of one of the the things that there there have been a lot of names coming up for the the role of Wolverine. There was Taron Egerton that was in in the mix, and um, you know he kind of played down those casting rumors. And to be honest, it looks like Cavill's hit on so- on something pretty good with The Witcher, and he's probably going to be pretty busy with that. Although I'm pretty sure he won't turn down the role of Wolverine. There, there are a lot of other people out there that I think would probably be better suited for the role, but I'm not I'm not entirely against the idea of him playing Wolverine. I think it I think he'd do a very good job, and um, we'll just have to wait and see. Really, I mean, Captain Marvel two is going into production pretty soon so if he is going to be in the film i'm pretty sure they're going to they marvel and kevin feige should announce that very soon so let's move away from marvel and on to dc comics and the dceu in particular so one of the uh, upcoming dc comics movies is james gunn's the suicide squad and one actor in that movie is Nathan Fillion, who works a lot with James Gunn. He's worked a lot with him in the past. He was in films like Slither. He was in Guardians of the Galaxy. And they seem to really enjoy working together. And basically, Nathan Fillion, on a recent interview, was, uh, in a recent interview, was asked why he decided to join uh, the Suicide Squad, which is, a, you know, it's a question. I guess, um, you know, there are many, many reasons. You're not going to say no to starring in a DC Comics movie if you're an actor. Let me tell you, let me <laughs> tell you about that. You're not going to say no to that. But he did, he, he did, res- re- he did give a response and actually a pretty good one. He said, James Gunn, one of the people in my life that when he calls, I just say yes to whatever you're about to say. It's yes. The answer's yes. James Gunn is an amazing storyteller. That guy understands story and he loves to tell story. When he wants to do something, you know it's going to be fun. You know it's going to be satisfying. So, it, I mean, it very it does sound like this movie, this Suicide Squad film, which is basically a reboot of um, the 2016 Suicide Squad film, which was directed by David Ayer and was a total mess. And it really does sound like this is going to be something special. We still don't know who Nathan Fillion is going to play. There were rumours that he's going to play Arm Fall Off Boy, but he debunked those rumours and said basically said i think this is actually in the same same interview he said that that's not the name that was on his script so you know we're just gonna have to wait and see talking of the suicide squad james gunn took to instagram to reveal that his film has wrapped production so it's now going into post-production and um he you can go on instagram to check out his post it's quite long he (laughs) he does talk a lot on instagram he's actually very he's he's very active he just said that's a wrap and then he explained how his father had died two weeks before filming and his dog died two weeks before the end and it was a hard hard time in his life but also the most fulfilling time he's ever had making a movie he thanked um, the the talent the cast so he basically said the professionalism talent compassion and kindness of this cast and crew inspired me every day thanks to everyone involved in this film in every stage of development, in every department, I'm grateful for the from the bottom of my heart to, for you all. You are the reason why I make movies. Um, heart emoji. So that film is going to come out pretty soon. Uh, they were filming in some really cool locations. They were filming in Panama, and that's where we saw the um, the the new kind of version of Harley Quinn of Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. She's got a new um, a new costume. It looks great. It's kind of harking back to Harley Quinn in the um, animated series, which I really love. 
And I just really can't wait to see this film. It's my most anticipated DC Comics movie coming out in, I think it's coming out in 2021, so next year. That's going to be a really good one to, to look forward to. Other DC Comics news is that um, fans have started another petition. Yes, another one. Uh, and this one is calling for uh, Warner Brothers to cast um, Amelia Clark as Mira in Aquaman 2 and replace Amber Heard. So I'm pretty sure, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about this recently, uh, is that, um, that there's a whole court case going on between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. And there have been new revelations about what's actually what actually happened between the couple. Of course, Amber Heard came out pretty quickly and claimed that uh, Johnny Depp had uh, that she was a victim of domestic domestic abuse, which is you know that is a, a serious allegation, a serious allegation to make. And uh, it's now come to light that it, that might not have been the case. It might actually now. Uh, Johnny Depp's now claiming that it was actually the other way around and he's actually suing Amber Heard for defamation because he has since lost roles. He's not, he hasn't really been cast in much recently. It was reported that he's lost his role as uh, Captain Jack Sparrow in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies because of this. So it's not great. And it's actually not great for either of them because there's now a lot of fan pressure to get rid of Amber Heard. And now they're asking for Amelia Clark to replace her and to be honest Amelia Clark would be a very good replacement and um the 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 petitions on change.org and it's now reached 8.7k signatures so you know this you know it's it's gaining traction the one to get rid of Amber Heard in Aquaman 2 has got a, a heck of a lot it's got a lot of signatures last time I checked it was over 30 it was over 370,000 signatures so it's, it's a lot um, but then there were reports that actually Warner Brothers aren't going, then they're not going to fire Amber Heard from Aquaman 2 despite all the allegations made against her, which that got some fans really riled up. And to be honest, what I think should happen and what I think will happen is that Warner Brothers, they're just going to wait until the court case is over. And that might take a while because there's a lot of stuff coming out of this court case and it's it's quite interesting but it's also quite, I mean, it, I suppose it's, it's a very personal thing that's going on in public, but it's actually quite a big deal because it's it, it's both of their careers, but it's also the fact that, you know, it's not, c coming out and claiming that you're a, a victim of domestic abuse is, first of all, it's a very difficult thing to do for someone that actually is a, a victim of domestic abuse, but also it's something that, you, you know, you can't, you can't come out and say that if you haven't been. And it's looking like, it might not have been the case and that's really the problem here is that it, it is kind of Amber Heard using her her not only her position but also her kind of celebrity and kind of taking the Me Too movement just it's it's not it's what sh if if it if this is the case it's really hard to talk about but if this is the case then it's really not good for all the progress we've been making recently and um We'll, ha we'll just have to wait and see what happens. So let's move away from that very difficult story and on to some other news about what's been going on in the world of movies recently. There have been rumours that uh, Ace Ventura 3 might happen with Jim Carrey set to return. So this is something that I just look at and I'm like, no, 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 no. 
They really should not make an Ace Ventura 3. It's never a good idea for actors to return to... I mean, Ace Ventura is an iconic role. It's an iconic... He's, it's an iconic comedic role. And Jim... It was... You know, Jim Carrey was great in it, but those movies are... If you watch them today, they are problematic. And we are really not calling for an Ace Ventura 3. Just go and watch Dumb and Dumber 2 and you'll know what I'm talking about. It's never a good idea to return to characters you've made famous in the past, especially comedic characters. It's not... Because... It's something that you can't make relevant. I mean, Ace Ventura, how can you make Ace Ventura relevant today? I mean, may actually, there, there might be ways, you know, especially with um, the rise of of um, things like veganism and things like that. And you think, oh, that, yeah, actually, that might, that might be quite interesting to do, but I just don't think that's where they'd go with it. And um, again, I, I think, I really do think Jim Carrey would be better suited to actually exploring some more dramatic work and maybe doing some new comedic stuff i thought he was great in the sonic movies uh sonic movie sorry and um and i think he's he's he was actually really good as dr robotnik and i would like to see him do that again and maybe do some other stuff you know he's he's obviously back in the limelight though though which is great there are also rumors that he might be coming back to play the mask which also i don't think he should do <laughs> you know well we're just gonna have to wait and see and there are also rumours that Indiana Jones 5 might be directed by James Mangold. And this is after Steven Spielberg announced that he's not going to be directing Indiana Jones 5. He will be staying on as, um, as a producer, but he won't be directing the film. So that basically means that that film is up for grabs for any director. And James Mangold, I think, I'm pretty sure, it came from Variety, so I'm pretty sure it's true, is Disney's number one choice to direct the film. And I think he'd be brilliant. He directed... Most recently, Ford versus Ferrari, which I really liked. He directed Logan, which I loved. He's got a really good back catalogue of movies, and um, he's a very interesting director and someone that's he's also, he's already proven himself to be a very good uh, he's a very good director of blockbusters. He really knows what how to kind of how they work and how to make sure they're as engaging and as uh, impressive as possible. So I really like I really like that idea. But again, it's only a rumor. So it hasn't been confirmed. What has been confirmed is that Bob Iger is going to is actually he's actually left Disney and well he's left the post of CEO of Disney CEO and he's been replaced by another guy called Bob, a guy called Bob Chapek who was uh, head of their uh, of the Disney parks of theme parks and now he's Disney's CEO. Um, I mean Bob Iger, basically Disney owe, owes everything to him. Because he was there when they he oversaw the acquisition of Pixar, he oversaw the acquisition of Lucasfilm, and he oversaw the recent acquisition of um, Fox, and he was also in charge when they launched Disney Plus. So Disney is in the position it's in now, many basically thanks to Bob Iger's leadership, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they go from here and how Bob Chapek kind of. Uh, differentiates himself from Bob Iger and um, and what he does moving forward. You know, he also uh, he was also there oversaw the he was there when they got when they bought Marvel as well. So you know <laughs> he he's created Disney. You, you know, kind of the 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 powerhouse that it is today is basically thanks to him. So interestingly enough, I started this uh, podcast off by talking about uh, the Dark Universe, and um, it looks like. 
Um, there are rumours that Universal is thinking of casting Ryan Gosling as the lead in a remake, another remake of The Mummy. So, if this is um, like a joint production with Bloomhouse and kind of going down the more Invisible Man route of things, then yes, I say, why not? Why not? try and really crack the mummy because they haven't <laughs> haven't been able to crack it for a while now and um the tom cruise mummy film was definitely not what we wanted maybe they could do something different with it and i mean ryan gosling is a great a great actor so i'm not totally against this idea but i also don't think we need a mummy movie not another one especially not at the moment so, also, the, the news comes from We Got This Covered, who's, um, yeah, I've said this time and time again on this podcast, their track record's not brilliant at predicting these things. They claim to have these sources, these insider sources in Hollywood. Doesn't always turn out to be true, but, you know, it's something that might happen. Uh, who knows? Uh, Chris Evans, this is definite, has been cast as the sinister, sinister dentist in Little Shop of Horrors. So they're remaking the movie, and this character was originally played by um, Steve Martin. Oh, that's his name. And I, I first off, Little Shop of Horrors is my favorite. Uh, it's it's my favorite um, uh, musical of all time. I love it. I think it's great, and I think the sinister dentist, the dentist, is a fantastic character. And after having seen Knives Out, I saw this and I thought, yes, 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 that is really inspired casting and i can't wait to see chris evans play the sinister dentist in little shop of horrors that'll be really good fun uh, tom cruise was forced to flee from italy and the set of mission impossible uh, 7 due to the coronavirus outbreak that's happened in northern italy and actually is currently um sweeping the nation here as well so basically that this means that the production of the movie has been delayed uh, because they were filming in Venice, and uh, I mean, I presume, I'm not sure, I haven't looked into it, but I presume they're filming somewhere else at the moment, but it means that they're going to have to wait a while, they might not even be able to film in Venice, apparently a lot of the film, parts of the film are set in in Venice, so they're a bit worried about that. Right, there are also rumours that Star Trek IV um, might be losing yet another director, as Noah Hawley is rumoured to um, to be on the edge apparently he wants to make his movie with a completely new cast but paramount wants to bring back the old cast they want chris pine back they want zachary quinto back yeah and um they want uh, simon Pegg back that's all fine but i really i was really excited to see what noah hawley could do with this and i'd be really upset if they do get rid of him because he's a fantastic director he's shown how good he is uh, with um, his TV works, he did. Um, uh, he he was the showrunner. And he was the creator, sorry, of the Fargo TV series, which is fantastic. And he also did Legion, which is really really good as well. And uh, he's someone that is full of ideas, and he's full of. Um, he's just so much so much potential there. I see his career, and I look, I look at the stuff he's done, and I can't help but think, kind of his career could mirror that of J.J. Uh, Abrams. And I would really like him. I would really like it if he got a proper crack at Star Trek Four, and that just Paramount let him do what he wants to do. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So let's move away from movies and onto TV shows. 
There have been rumours that Disney has plans for five seasons of The Mandalorian, which is a lot. Uh, but I kind of can see that happening because Disney, they're definitely, as far as Star Wars is concerned, they're definitely focusing more on their uh, TV things. So, you know, you've got the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, you've got the Cassian Andor series. Um, both of those actually have been delayed or potentially their production's been delayed. But it means that The Mandalorian is even more important for them and they have to get it right. So if Jon Favreau has five seasons already mapped out, or four seasons, including the first, I, I, I really do think that it could be one of... I'm really interested to see where this series goes. The first season, I thought, was, was pretty good. Um, I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was the best thing I'd seen last year, but I thought it had a lot of potential. And uh, and I'm really excited to see where it goes next. Five seasons, it's a good run. I'm I'm actually th- I'm thinking it might even go more than that to be honest. But you know, it's already it's for, it's um, Lucasfilm's very first live action Star Wars series, and people loved it. And I'm also really excited to see who they get on board to direct um, the episodes in season two. Season two, incidentally, is coming out in October, so we should already know who's directing these episodes, but it hasn't all been confirmed so they're gonna have to be they're gonna be work they must be working overtime on this show other news in the tv world is that lucifer season six might actually happen as its renewal is looking very likely at netflix so basically what's going on at the moment is apparently netflix is having to talk with warner brothers tv because uh wtv warner bros tv still has part ownership of the show so in order to get a renewal greenlit both parties need to agree so at the moment it's looking like netflix is working very hard to make season six happen which is brilliant for lucifer fans because we were all thinking that season five was going to be the final season but it looks like it might not and it looks like we might actually get to see a season six which i'm i'm pretty excited i'm pretty excited for right and moving away from but no Staying in the realm of the kind of DC Comics TV shows, it's been revealed that Supergirl and Batwoman's rating slump has continued. So this has been, these both of these shows have seen a pretty staggering slump ever since um, the, the crossover event, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And it's looking like, so the last um, episode of Batwoman attracted uh, 816,000 viewers which is a lot less than the previous episode, which managed to pull in eight, uh, 840,000, uh, 48,000 viewers. So it's, it's going, it's steadily going down and it had a pretty big surge during the Crisis on Infinite Earth. It actually reached over a million. And now this kind of, it's got a downward trend, which is pretty worrying. And the same with Supergirl. It's got a, that uh, Supergirl's got even uh, fewer viewers, I think. Yes, it has. It's got, it's, uh, previous that the latest episode only got 667,000 viewers and it's worrying because both these shows have so much potential and the CW can't really afford to lose them because they're already losing uh, Arrow Arrow's going and it looks like the flash is kind of winding down so they're kind of I mean Supergirl is on its fifth season so it has had quite a few quite a long run Batwoman is a bit more concerning because that's a new show so what will happen with these shows? We've got to wait. They've actually both been renewed for a next se- another season. 
but it's looking like season six of Supergirl will be the last, which is a shame. I, I mean, the show, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of viewers, but it's just not enough to keep it going. Uh, moving away from DC and on to Marvel TV news, apparently Glow star Alison Brie is in the running to be cast as She-Hulk in the Disney Plus Marvel TV show. This is a show that a lot of people are very excited to see. And honestly, Alison Brie, I think, would be a great... Uh, she'd be fantastic as She-Hulk. She's someone that's been around for quite a, a while now. She was in things like Community. She was in... Uh, she's in Glow, of course. She's in... She's coming up in a... She's often appears as kind of more... She's in a lot of movies as well, but not not always as the, the lead. She's in a Netflix film that's coming out very soon, which looks really interesting, which she wrote herself. And... Um, I, I would really like to see her get a big role like this and also then She-Hulk get brought into the MCU would be great and I think she is someone that could really carry that role and make it her own. Um, talking of people that aren't going to be cast, uh, Daniel Radcliffe has debunked the rumours that he's going to be cast as Moon Knight. So this came out a while back, a couple of weeks ago, that he was in the running and actually had already some people claimed he'd already been cast as Moon Knight which, and I was looking at it thinking, this cannot be right. But he uh, was recently talking about the rumours and he was talking actually about going back into a franchise after having been in one of the biggest movie franchises of all time in Harry Potter. And he said, if I was ever to go back into a franchise, I think the bar for that script would be even higher than anything else. Before you can sign on to being in anything for multiple years, you have to be sure you're really going to love it all the time. I'm not averse to doing any kind of franchise thing in the future again. That could be fun. But the Moon Knight rumours are untrue. I can officially debunk that one. I haven't heard anything about it. So, yeah, he's not. That is pretty, like, categorically, like, that's a no. He's not going to be Moon Knight, which, you know, is 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 fine. It, it was kind of very left-field casting anyway. When I heard that, I was a bit like, that doesn't feel right. I think, I actually think Daniel Radcliffe's really, really come a long way as an actor in, in recent years and um, I've, I've really enjoyed him and a lot of the stuff he's done recently and it looks like he's you know he's um he's got he's chosen some really interesting projects you know in, in to do in the future i'm really excited to see what he does in the future but i just don't think he's right for moon knight and that's just a personal opinion but i think a lot of people echoed those opinions on on the small screen facebook page and on twitter as well and uh, i'm pretty sure people might be looking at that and thinking thank god Anyway, there was a trailer for a, a new Star Wars project called Star Wars The High Republic. And it's basically introducing a new story, a new era of Star Wars stories. So these are going to be written by five of Star Wars' most acclaimed storytellers. And I'll just read out the synopsis for these, these stories, which are going to be uh, books and comic books. Um, and they're going to be written by five of uh, Star Wars' most well-known authors. So it's set 200 years prior to the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. The Galactic Republic and the Jedi Order are at, <clears throat> are at their height, serving and protecting the galaxy, featuring brand new stories from five authors set in the all-new era. This is Star Wars The High Republic. So basically, we're going to be seeing a lot more of the Jedi Knights and the and what they got up to before 200 years before the events of The Phantom Menace. It's pretty cool. I think I'm I'm pretty excited for this. I'm pretty excited to know to know more. I don't. It doesn't seem as though the Sith will be involved in this. There's going to be another kind of uh, 
antagonist in this, which uh, then I don't think they're going to be force sensitive. But we're basically going to see what they they were getting up to before the Phantom Menace kick started. Right, um, that's that's it. There were no features this week. Uh, I did a pretty big thing on uh, on the Invisible Man and also recently uh, horse films you just see because there's a movie coming out called Dream Horse. So you can check those out, but I won't go over those. What I'll do is I'll give you some recommendations of things I've been watching recently that I think you should watch too. So Hunters on Amazon Prime, that is a weird, weird show. It's uh, about, it's actually produced by Jordan Peele, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to watch it, but it stars Al Pacino and uh, Logan Lerman. And very, it's a very odd show set in the early 80s about a bunch of Nazi hunters. Uh, it's, it's pretty good fun, actually. Uh, also, Star Trek Picard on Amazon Prime, that's always good fun. I've been having a great time uh, re-watching and actually watching for the first time a lot of the Studio Ghibli movies that are currently on Netflix, although if you're in the US, they're not on Netflix. Sorry about that. And also another movie on Netflix, which I adored, was Uncut Gems. I watched that recently, and I really think you should all check that out. It's a really, really good film and a really good, incredible performance from Adam Sandler. But that was a lot to get through this week. And as usual, I merely scratched the surface of all the all the news that came out this week. There was so much news. But please go and check out Small Screen, which is at www.small-screen.co.uk for even more pop culture news, features and reviews. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at smallscreengb. And thank you so much for listening, guys. And I'll see you back here same time next week. Thanks a lot. Goodbye.